0: Hi friends, it has been a while since we dropped a podcast and I must apologize for that. We have been so busy, then it's August and people on holiday, so many things going on and um, yeah i had covid last week as well so it's been a bit crazy i have to give you a little heads up this episode you're about to listen to i was bed bound with covid so my voice like i literally sound out of breath <laughs> the whole time but i sound okay like i you can listen to me the quality's still good the conversation's still amazing but i'm just letting you guys know just in case you're thinking why does she sound like exhausted covid hit me and I promise I'm never getting it again, like it was the worst. But anyways, let's get into today's episode. So we have Natasha Inman, she's the founder of Dubai-based luxury loungewear label State of Rem. Leads native, Natasha describes her upbringing as completely normal and predictable, get good grades, go to university and build a good life. This led her to study a master's degree and then climb the finance corporate ladder to where she's at now, juggling an intense nine to five as a Middle East financial controller in Dubai in state of REM, her night shift. In this episode, we discuss her experiences as she navigates understanding the Arabic consumer from a British business owner's perspective, as well as her current challenges running state of REM. By the way, there's a lot of manufacturing drama, so you need to tune in to know what to avoid and the strategy she's been putting in place to overcome them. Natasha also expresses her gratitude to a small but great support system. Moving to Dubai from the north of England was always a dream for her. She manifested her reality and she's now manifesting the success of her brand. As always, I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's a great episode, perfect for someone who's currently building a brand way outside of their comfort zone, as well as balancing other commitments. If you do enjoy it, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It literally takes five seconds guys five seconds we're giving away a 50 pounds gift card of your choice once a month to a lucky listener who takes the time out to show some love it lets us know that we're doing something that you care about and um, it allows us to go and get investment and seek sponsorship so that we can make this podcast even better but anyways that is enough of me talking I hope you enjoy today's episode Welcome to the Designer to Designer Podcast Show. This is a safe space created for aspiring and startup fashion designers and entrepreneurs. Through this podcast show, I sit down with some of your favorite independent designers and give you exclusive behind the scenes access to their lives and brands. I aim to make sure you get to know the designers for who they are and finally engage with relatable stories. We touch on everything from mindset to finances to their childhoods and their biggest, wildest fashion dreams. This podcast is hosted by yours truly, Rebecca Tembo, founder of the self-titled women's Wear label and the entry platform which produces this show. Now, sit tight, enjoy the ride, and get ready to be blown away by today's episode. Hi, Natasha! Welcome to the Designer to Designer podcast. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Thanks Rebecca, it's so nice to be here.
0: Good. So, tell us a little bit about your early years, um your education, your upbringing and the moment that you fell in love with fashion.
1: Yeah, so um I originally I originally am from Leeds. I'm really fortunate. I have amazing friends, amazing family. Um my circle is relatively small, but I have some, you know, really amazing people in my life. So, o- overall I'm I'm really lucky. Um, I would have said I'm a very normal girl. I kind of went through um, the kind of education um, stage, kind of growing up. So I went to uni. Um, I got a master's degree. Um, I fell into the accountancy qualification, and I've been kind of climbing the the finance career ladder ever since. So um, I currently work as my official role is um, Middle East financial controller for um, a global law firm um, now in Dubai, which is kind of my nine to five. And state of rem is kind of my baby on the side at the minute. I call her kind of my night shift. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of doing I'm doing two jobs at once at the minute, which is a bit of a struggle. Um, but fashion for me really has always been kind of a form of self-care, and, um, I think the reason they call shopping like retail therapy is true. Um, I love how fashion makes you feel. um, And that's how really I've connected with fashion for since kind of, I would say, since high school, really. You know, if you if you look good, um, you feel good. And if you feel good, that has an overall impact on confidence, um, self-belief and kind of those feel good endorphins. Um and I guess I'm the first one to say like my nine to five is pretty boring. It's very black and white. Um, but I am a very kind of creative person, so fashion's always been a way to express my creative side, especially since um starting my brand. So um yeah, I've always been kind of an advocate for self-care, so fashion in its kind of self-caring state has has been in my life for a
0: very long time. So how come you decided to go down the like finance route initially?
1: Um, It was because I've always known that I was going to start my own thing. I have always kind of manifested that I would do my own thing. Like working for someone is something that I don't particularly want to do for the rest of my life. And I've always thought, well, if I own my own business, what is kind of the skill that I think is a really useful skill to have if you own your own your own business? And I think kind of being in the corporate world for this long and having not that I would say that like my master's degree I ever particularly use now, I just look at numbers all day. But I think knowing your numbers and knowing like like not how to be profitable, but seeing the signs of kind of profitability are a really good tool that I think I've I've learned kind of going through this sort of corporate corporate world because at the end of the day like there's so many people who have side hustles but you have to remember like it's a business that has to make money otherwise if you're not making money it's just a hobby that's how I see it so you know, I think having kind of the number side as much as it is a little bit dull, <laughs> it has kind of helped me so far.
0: No, that's such an important thing, especially in the fashion industry, because a lot of people are creative and they don't necessarily have the number side of things or the business acumen. So being able yeah. to like implement that into your business can definitely just like fast forward you. You mentioned that you moved to Dubai. Like why Dubai? Why a different city, different country, different culture?
1: So, you know, what I am a big believer in like manifestation and I completely manifested moving to Dubai. I always knew probably from the age of 24, 25 that I would I would move there for I don't know. I didn't know why I would move there but I always knew I would kind of move. And I have lived in, I'd lived in Leeds for 29 years. So I was so ready for a change. Um, I ended up moving to Dubai basically with um, my nine to five job. They kind of moved me over here, which was good for me because I always knew it would happen. Um, So yeah, that's why I'm here really. But I think moving from kind of a very routine life where you know everyone in the city, not everyone in the city, but you know you like bump into people and all your family and friends there. It's kind of like a very cushy life in a way. And I've always wanted to kind of go out of my comfort zone and see how I could grow and see what would happen kind of thing. And I think um, like, yeah, like moving out of your comfort zone and kind of reinventing yourself as this person that you kind of want to be is something that I always knew kind of I would do and, and that's why I kind of started my brand when I moved here because you kind of have a lot more time because you don't necessarily socialize as much and obviously the pandemic it kind of gave us all um, a little bit of a kick up the ass to like realize what we're doing with our lives. Um, so yeah I think moving here and kind of being a completely different city with different cultures and different people and then And then the pandemic, I knew that was my time to kind of start my own thing.
0: Amazing. I think you're in such a good position because, I mean, we'll get into it when we talk about your brand a bit more, but I just think with the sort of brand that you have and then the location that you're in, everything just makes sense. And I love that you just manifested, like, I'm going to move to Dubai, don't know how, (laughs) don't know when, and then it just (laughs) happens and you're like, well, I knew what was going to happen. So I feel like that's how I am when it comes to moving to LA because I'm like, I'm moving to LA soon yeah. whenever that is somehow we'll get there so oh, yeah it will definitely happen. definitely <laughs> so you launched state of rem in may of this year congratulations um what was the most daunting aspect of launching and how did you manage the emotional roller coaster of it all
1: so i think like every single person that i speak to owns like their own business Um, I suffer so badly with imposter syndrome kind of like the thought of failing can really hold you back and I think I've just I still struggle with that probably well every day in a way Um, but I think from going from kind of idea to launch stage was I had like just so many doubts in my head constantly Um, but in a way that Does kind of push you forward because kind of the fear of failure failure is like so much less worse than kind of the fear of kind of starting and failing if you know what that means I think there's a proper phrase around this I just can't remember Um, but yeah I would say um, kind of I think it's just so important to have Positivity in your day, like start your day with positivity because I think sometimes, like, I personally got so overwhelmed in the stage between launching and, sorry, the stage between idea and launching. Because one, I literally had no experience of fashion whatsoever. I had no experience of how business really works when it's my own thing, when it's kind of a small brand that he's trying to create. And then living in dubai which was is still very new to me kind of where to go who to speak to the language barriers the culture differences um i think having like a positive mindset is is something that kind of
0: pushes you forward in a way
1: but yeah every day i have a breakdown it's just it just happens
0: <laughs> i wanted to touch on that actually when you spoke about being positive and everything I was actually thinking to myself last night where sometimes business can be really hard and not even sometimes, it's it's always going to be hard um, to an extent and you actually have to continuously feed yourself with positivity, feed yourself with like self-development content or whatever. Um, I remember reading a while ago, your level of success will never exceed your like level of personal development. Or something like that so you you have to continuously improve yourself um and I think that has to be like you know sometimes it's going back to basics it's reading the right books it's listening to the right things it's going forwards it's exercising it's the the basic things that we try to avoid and we're always looking for that other sort of um I don't know that other tip or whatever that we've never heard of but it's like that's actually just what you need to do and it's so important in business because you're going to get knocked down so much so how do you like keep that momentum going it's something you have to figure out um but yeah I can definitely (laughs) vouch for that and the imposter syndrome so let's talk a bit more about your brand so one thing I loved about your website is the lead capturing you have a great incentive to get visitors to sign up and You also have social proofs, such as the next sale feature. So just showing, oh, this person just bought this or whatever, Um, which is great. I think sometimes when people come to creating their e-commerce websites, they don't really think about those small things that are so important in the grand scheme of things. So um, what are three strategies you're honing in on right now to grow your brand?
1: I think so the next sale feature that you just mentioned, I think, which we probably will talk about kind of later on, When I moved to the Middle East there is such a reluctance to buy things online here Um, and I think having that next sale feature gives it a lot more credibility that people can transact kind of on our site Um, and that you know I think like I think they do it on Revolve don't they but I don't think there's a lot of other websites that have this kind of feature but out here it's like one of the essential kind of things that you need to have because there's so much more like fraud here than there is back at home and people want to buy at a shop a lot more than kind of they want to buy on a a website here. So that's kind of one thing that I'm learning about but also trying to look at how people can trust us to buy as well as kind of kind of the next sale feature I'm kind of looking at other ways that um people will trust us to buy I guess um but I, I think also from that I don't know if you've re- ever read the book oversubscribed of course. That, um that book basically has this rule called the 7 rule and this rule speaks about like um the like how many kind of steps it takes for a buyer to actually buy so the 7 rule is a buyer needs seven hours of interaction across 11 different touch points in four separate locations. So I've kind of taken that concept and thought, right, I need to kind of spread my brand in other places so people can see us in other places. So I've had kind of some influencers um, do some marketing for us. I've just started kind of like even a LinkedIn page to talk about kind of mental health in the corporate place and other companies that are doing things for like mental health and self-care because kind of my brand is very much around self-care and, and mental health. Um, we started a TikTok, which I don't really have a clue what I'm doing with at the moment, but we'll get there. Um, and then I'm looking at getting into stores as well. So I think the more people can see us in different kind of areas People will have more of a trust to to buy from us, whether that is from a website or or from a store. If if we manage to get in, into some stores, um, and I think I've also I'm also working with um, a PR agency here, who has managed to kind of get some kind of press releases out in Arabic, which is something that I never thought of. I don't speak Arabic or I can't read Arabic, and obviously a lot of people here do. Um, So that's another thing that I'm trying to explore kind of the Arabic side of things, like bringing out adverts in Arabic and that kind of thing as well. Um, And then probably thirdly is just growing my kind of collection, really. I've got one collection out at the minute. We've got um, something coming out the end of this month now, um, end of September. Um, And then there's going to be kind of... um, a Christmas collection and a party collection. So just just growing my collection as well um, and just trying to, yeah, grow my brand awareness, which I guess every this is what everything, I'm, what I'm doing is for really. But they're kind of the three main things I'm concentrating on at the minute. I
0: was actually going to ask you this question um, later, but I think it makes sense now. Is yeah. there any difference you've noticed between the Arab customer and the British customer? Yeah, and i probably learned the hard way because I didn't really know about the Arabic
1: market until kind of like you start speaking to them, interacting with them, understanding like how they shop and things like that. Um, but like I said before, there is kind of this reluctance to buy online. I think with the, um, the Arabic customer, they like to feel, touch, see, try on before they buy which is kind of another reason why I need to get into stores, which I think kind of the UK people trust that, oh, it looks good on that person if they see it on an influencer or something. um, You know, I'm going to buy it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can take it back. I think from what I've experienced, kind of the taking back thing isn't really a thing here. They need, they'll buy it knowing that they'll keep it, if you know what I mean. Um, So that's one big thing. Another thing is... They, um, a lot of people like to pay with cash, which obviously you can't really do on a website. Um, Well, you can now on our website, but it kind of has very strict kind of guidelines of what you can pay by cash. It's called like cash on delivery. Um, So they'll buy it online and then they'll pay cash when they actually receive it but for me at the moment because a lot of our orders are personalized for me to kind of personalize some pajamas and then deliver it and then maybe they might not decide that they want it like those pair of pajamas I can't resell so at the moment it's it's hard for me to do cash on delivery I'll only do it for people in Dubai who don't want personalized stuff but most people at the moment do want kind of the personalized stuff and you know, they they want to see it and feel it really, which is kind of what I said before. Um, also, there's like a few companies, uh, sorry, a few countries in the Middle East, like um, Lebanon and Jordan, where they have loads of customers that I, that want to buy from me there. But because of like their bank system, I don't really know like the full technicalities, but they can't buy anything with their banks online. So this was like a completely new concept for me. And I just didn't realize it was like this before kind of moving here and bringing out an e-commerce website. But yeah. So at the moment people in Lebanon and um, Jordan can't buy from me. So um, yeah, I'm looking at trying to get into some stores over there so they can buy because there's, there's a lot of people there that do want to buy. Um, so I would say they're kind of like more of the negatives, but one really positive thing that I've noticed is when um an Arab customer buys they tend to buy in like bulk they tend to buy like five for each of their sisters and then one for their mom and then one for their mom's friend and then one for their neighbor's friend like they'll buy like loads which is I think completely different to how people in the UK buy so yeah when you get like an order like that I'm absolutely buzzing (laughs) um yeah they're like I would say like the main things but there is quite a few things like in terms of, sort of um you know speaking to them a lot we get so many like emails and dms in arabic which i struggle with so yeah i'm looking to kind of i'm looking to in the next few
0: months hire someone that can help with that um so your garments are manufactured in the uae as well have you found the manufacturing process and why did you choose to manufacture locally um it was literally the worst
1: experience of my life <laughs> like well manufacturing has been so stressful it's been like the most stressful thing one because I don't know how I didn't know how the manufacturing process worked because i would never even remotely experienced it so I can't really say what it's like compared to back home but I can just say kind of what, what it's been like here um, and the main reasons why it's been difficult is because the language barriers like a lot of the manufacturers here don't speak great english which you know is understandable and the expectations of quality are wildly different so what they think is perfect for me was absolutely shit. so it was really like finding someone that's as close to kind of my level of quality and can can understand what i'm saying as well um but I did want everything to be made locally just because I want it to be as hands-on as possible because I've not done it before and it's all very new to be able to like, just go to the manufacturer and deal with an issue that's 10 minutes away. is so much easier than kind of doing it on zoom when you can't like touch it and feel it as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of one reason why we did it locally. Also, kind of one of the values of the brand is sustainability. And I know it's kind of a very on-trend kind of thing that we talk about, but I genuinely do think like we need to look after our planet as well. And if I was getting things done in China and, you know, having the back and forward and everything, you know, one, it takes longer. And I was, I'm just trying to be a little bit mindful of that as well. Um, But everything that we do with the brand Um, I say, wait, it's just me. (laughs) Everything I do with the brand um, is done here. So all the materials I get from here, all the boxes that they're kind of um, packed in, I get from here, the materials, the manufacturing, everything is here, just because I like to understand the process as much as possible. And if I can kind of give guidance of how things could be kind of like a bit more efficient then. Like I like to do that. I like to be very hands-on until I can kind of fully trust um, kind of a manufacturer, which I can talk about if you want, because our first manufacturer we do not work with anymore because we had like a really shit experience with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always going to be an ongoing process. Like your supply chain efficiency, I, I expected it not to be good from the start just because of all the different reasons I've just said, but yeah, um, Yeah and I think when I mean when I've listened to other people speak about it it's always one of the biggest things you know finding a manufacturer that produces quality items in the right time frame and everything like that so I didn't expect it to be easy.
0: (laughs) No it makes complete sense um if you feel comfortable please share like what happened with your first manufacturer and why you've stopped working with them.
1: Yeah so Um, I don't know like the technicality the technical terms of it but you know when they act like a broker and then they like speak to the actual manufacturer factory so that was the kind of setup it was Um, so yeah we found this manufacturer through kind of speaking to a British guy that made suits here and he kind of um, recommended them to us so we went, and it kind of—it kind of was all absolutely fine. We placed the order. The samples were good, um, and then we had to pay like a fifty percent deposit to make the um, to make the order. And then we were planning on actually launching the end of um, March. So the manufacturers said, "Right, we'll get everything to you at the beginning of March." And we had our Photoshop photo shoot booked in kind of mid-March and then we were going to launch end of March anyway literally like two days before um we were meant to get everything they basically said that it was going to be like a two-month delay which I totally understand that like delays happen but the fact that they told us so late on and just like the attitude of like how like they spoke to us and kind of we well I just kind of said like why did you why did you just tell me like now why didn't you tell me weeks before and they're very defensive and um just to make the stab wound even deeper kind of at the end of the process they added on an extra 30 percent um from what we agreed which is something that I don't think you would really get back a, get back in the UK because um, you would usually have a contract, but every single manufacturer I've spoken to here will not do a contract, which I find bizarre. But at the end of the day, we just kind of had to like take a leap of faith and see what would happen. But we kind of shot ourselves in the foot because yeah, we had to pay this extra 30%, which we were like, didn't really have to be honest um so yeah our kind of launch date was pushed back we like we lost money on the photo shoots that um we had planned and there was just no um kind of um like empathy from them like they knew my situation that I was kind of working full time this was sort of my side hustle that I was trying to really build into something big um, you know, I didn't have endless amounts of money, endless amounts of, like, time, like, everything. Um, they knew, they understood, like, what I was doing, basically, and I just felt there was no kind of empathy there. Um, but, yeah, it was just, like, a really awful experience just because I feel like at the end they they kind of fucked me over with with the extra cost that came out of nowhere. And, they, and still to this day, I don't really understand what it was for. Um, but um to be honest one positive that did come out of that is during this like two-month period where I was meant to have launch but didn't but everything was pretty much ready in terms of what I could do I did end up rebranding and it does look so much better now than it did before so in a way I'm kind of glad it happened because my logo before I just kind of did on my own but yeah in that two-month period I got like an expert to give me like a brand vision and change the logo and everything yeah it does look better now so I have to just keep focusing on the positive
0: and not think about that basically. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the reason for the two-month delay because like I said delays do happen but two months is a huge amount of time especially when you're only told two days before you're meant to get the pieces
1: don't know because it didn't really give me a proper answer I think they had possibly like a prior like a bigger order that had just come in obviously for a lot more money and a lot more volumes than than I was you know wanting and I think they prioritized that to get the money in um that's what I personally think happened um you know I think they were giving me all sorts of bullshit answers like oh the factory's burnt down oh everyone's left or you know just like stupid answers that you just know are not right it's just kind of yeah it just it wasn't a good um it wasn't a good time that's probably the worst kind of
0: time it does happen um and that's the thing especially if you're not able to sign a contract I guess it's just because if they're not willing to sign a contract it's because they know that they might mess up and they don't want to be in that situation so um it's a shame but it happens to everyone like every single designer that I've spoken to has a horror story to tell when it comes to their manufacturer and it it takes some time to find the right one and a manufacturer that works for somebody else might not work for you and vice versa. So that's why it's even so tricky to recommend unless it's like a really close friend or something, just because it's like, they actually might fuck up your pieces. So in your Instagram bar, you mentioned that you donate to a mental health charity um and obviously through this conversation you've spoken a lot about self-care and everything you um said that on LinkedIn you're using that to speak more about mental health as well which is amazing um huge advocate for mental health I've spoken quite openly about like my challenges and everything so I love that you do that um tell us about the charity that you support how you came across them and what inspired you to actually actively do something versus just saying oh like we care about you and mental health this but you're actually putting your money where your mouth is
1: yeah. So I always knew I was going to do something when I thought I need to like build my own business. I always knew it was going to be about something around helping people with mental health before the, even the fashion thing. So for me, it was always going to be a non-negotiable. So even kind of before I decided on going kind of like the sleepwear route, I looked around to see if there was any charities, um, around that did kind of help people with with mental health problems and there was the Al Jalila Foundation who were who are from what I can see are the only charity in the Middle East that do concentrate on like helping people um and the process is is I think it's a bit different than back home obviously I've never done it at home but um here you have to apply and go through like a process of registering with the charity they have to kind of audit your company and business to check that they want to partner with you and then you have to apply for a license so it the whole process took about six months and I applied for um kind of the license before I even knew what my brand name was um I had a feeling at that point it would be around sleepwear, but I didn't know what my my brand name was or anything, but I applied and I kind of went through that whole process. Um, And I think we got approval. I think it was like June. So it was even after we launched. Um, So in terms of like, which, why did I choose that charity? It was pretty much the only charity in the Middle East that would, that is helping people with mental health on this kind of list that you can like register and, be licensed with them kind of thing um and I think um in terms of like why mental health like you just said I've struggled with it in the past I have so many friends that have struggled with it ex-partners have had it and I've had that whole thing family members like and especially moving to the Middle East I feel like over here it's like the UK maybe 20 years ago like barely anyone speaks about it. There is such a stigma around mental health. Um, and just to give you kind of an example, so I know back home. So as as morbid as as morbid as this might sound, but you know, if you attempt to commit suicide back home and you if you're unsuccessful, you know you can get help. But here, if you attempt to commit suicide and it's unsuccessful, you get a fine and you get put in prison. So it's a completely different kind of um, mindset around mental health here. And that's why it was so important for me to do a kind of build this brand around it, because I know that, you know, maybe in 20 years time here, it might be like it is in the UK where it's a lot more spoken about and people share their experiences a lot more. And there's an environment where you feel a little bit more comfortable speaking about it. Um, so yeah, for me, kind of the mental health thing was was always going to be a non-negotiable. Like the day that we got approval from Jalila was like the best day in the whole process for me. Like even better than launch day because I was I'm just so passionate about kind of like helping people in the way that I know how to. A really random fact, actually. Yeah, and it's something that stuck with me for years, even before like I thought about moving out here. So there's a song called. Um, When It Happens to You by Lady Gaga that came out years ago. I don't know if you've heard of it, but basically that song is all about kind of suffering as a woman. And as soon as that song came out, it reached number one in Saudi Arabia. So I just interpret that as like there are so many people, especially women, suffering in the Middle East, but they don't have a voice or they don't feel comfortable sharing. So I just thought like, wow, the fact that that song became like number one here there is definitely people here suffering they just don't know what to do about it so yeah I feel like that has also like assured me that you know I'm doing the right thing if you know what I mean it
0: definitely says a lot (laughs) yeah that's what I think speaking of mental health so according to Forbes um 72% of entrepreneurs either directly or indirectly face mental health issues due to their businesses, which I am not surprised <laughs> at all. So obviously we have <laughs> spoken about your challenges and everything, but I'm curious as to what you do to help yourself with your mental health in terms of business and in terms of also balancing it with your nine to five.
1: One really important thing, which I think is overlooked completely is kind of your support bubble. You know, I don't really have a lot of friends here but I moved out with my partner who is like the unsung hero really with my brand because he has helped me so much and he never ever kind of like what's the word kind of like gets annoyed if you know we can't go out one weekend or we can't go to the beach on a weekend because I'm just so like every weekend I work on my brand pretty much every evening I work on my brand and for him to like be accepting of that helps me massively and I think if you had like a bubble that's not as supportive I don't I feel like I don't know how people do that personally because I think that's just one really important thing and I'm very lucky to have that um so you know when you have those moments where you have like a meltdown you have a really strong support bubble to kind of lean on um and just speaking about your problems you know Problem share is a problem half, that old kind of phrase. I think that's really important. Um, in terms of like balancing my nine to five and this, it's been a struggle and I kind of still struggle with it and I don't have the magic formula. But one thing that really does help me is just concentrating on like the next hour. What have I got to do like the next hour? I'm not gonna think about what I've got to do tonight or like a meeting I've got this afternoon what have I got to do the next hour and just concentrate on that um I, I put like a video up on my personal Instagram the other day about like it's called segment intending and it's just really helped me not get too overwhelmed because the worst thing is kind of work waking up on a morning and think oh my god I've got to do nine hours at work and then I've got to fit in the gym and then I've got to clean the house and then I've got to do another five hours on my brand like it can be so overwhelming and you can just think well I'm just gonna not bother kind of feeling so yeah I think just kind of take each step at a time each hour by hour or however people like to work that's really helped me um and then also just like being kind to yourself because as you know because I know you you're in a similar position you know it is we're not like super women like we can't do everything at once and if you kind of just appreciate maybe one weekend you just need to have a weekend off that can do like so much to you like the next week you might be a lot more productive you might get loads more done so I think it is just kind of looking within as well and just understanding like I am so burnt out I can't do this anymore so I need some time out and
0: just having that kind of relationship with yourself if that makes sense Definitely. I need to be nicer to myself. I'm a bit of a meanie. I bully myself. It's not good. <laughs> but it's only because you want to succeed, you want to do good things. But no, it's so true. Yeah. I love that. Um, we also love your Instagram reel. The team and I were speaking about it on your personal page. So you show your customers like what building a brand looks like in 40 seconds. How do you connect and build relationships with your audience through social media? Like, what's the most important thing you would advise any other small fashion brand?
1: Um, so I'd say this for me I'm still completely like learning how to connect to people on my social media I kind of started my own new personal one when I started my brand because I wanted to show kind of the other side of business which especially um like building a business in the Middle East around mental health which I know is very specific but just kind of the difficulties and around that especially in this region um so I think it's just really about like I'm trying to think of it what I wish I'd have known before starting my brand if you know there was a, a version of me that was two years down the line but I'd met them two years ago what would they say to me what could I learn from them and that's what I think I'm trying to do kind of through social media and I think people are receptive to that and there's so many people I speak to like I think pretty much 90% of my friends now want to start their own thing but they just don't know how to go about it or don't know what to do and I think having just like someone you can speak to or learn from or just even be inspired by because I'm inspired by so many people on Instagram it it gives you kind of the confidence to do it as well mm-hmm. um and there's just I kind of there's a special i don't know if this makes sense there's a speciality about being like authentic and i really appreciate people being authentic on instagram and showing kind of the the real and raw like things that go on behind the scenes of building a brand because so many like overnight successes on instagram that's taken someone 10 years but you know it looks like it's just happened overnight and that's not the real not the real deal So I think it's just about kind of showing a bit more
0: like behind the scenes and what actually happens and kind of how hard it is. I think people really appreciate that. And I find that from even when I just post things and just really authentic things, nothing that's polished, nothing that's like, oh, my life is perfect. I'm like, no, this is what's going on. Quite a messy day, whatever. They really appreciate it because everybody is like going through it and It just makes you more relatable because it's like, that is just the honest truth. That is what you're going through. That's what they're going through. Then they want to connect more with you. And it's actually such a good way for building your personal brand, of course, attracting the right audience, whether that's customers or anything else. So, um, yeah. I totally agree with you. We've spoken a lot about the challenges that you've faced. And I actually want to speak about some wins. Like, what are some, let's say, like three things that you're so proud of with um, State of REM? Um,
1: firstly, it has to be that I've actually managed to take it from idea to an actual like thing. Like, obviously, when you've not really started a brand yourself in a completely new country, and kind of setting myself that challenge in in a pandemic. I'm really proud that I actually like pulled it off, (laughs) like to have a website is just a bit like, wow, it actually happened. Um, I think so that's one the other thing is I'm just so happy that the mental health um, partnership happened like I said like the day we got approved was like the best day in this whole process because you know if I can help at least like one person in the region like feel a bit more comfortable with it or know which charity to go to to speak about it or even like take some kind of self-care tips away from us as a brand like that is doing a lot of positive in this region I'm not saying I'm groundbreakingly going to make everyone speak about mental health in the region but you know like small steps I feel like there's no one from what I can see doing that really in the region in terms of kind of partnering up with a mental health charity um and I think the third one probably is as much as I have like a meltdown three times a week I've just stuck at it stuck at it because i guess like the passion to make it work is always going to outweigh everything else that i've ever felt like the lows of kind of the whole process and i think you know it shows resilience i guess but you know every everyone that you kind of listen to on podcasts and reading books about kind of their brand everyone just says no matter what just keep going and i think there is kind of like it's a bit of like a a tip really you just have to keep going Doesn't matter what's happened just you know
0: no definitely you have to push on just got to do it I love that um if you could go back in time and do anything differently what would you do um I would have definitely
1: researched how people buy here um because I was just so naive I just assumed people kind of bought here the same as they did in the uk in terms of like you know buying online um yeah i would definitely have kind of researched that more but you know hindsight is a wonderful thing and if there's people listening to this podcast now and they're thinking about um starting something up in the middle east at least that they know that this is how people kind of shop people want to feel and touch and see it in real life before they buy um so, yeah, it, it probably would be that. But, I mean, we're trying to resolve that in terms of kind of getting into stores and things. And there, there, are, there are a lot of kind of e-commerce um, businesses here, which I am sure are feeling the same. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something probably a lot of businesses go through here, especially if they're just online. Um, you know what? It's so funny because my uh, partner's boss told up me before I launched the brand he was like you know that that you're gonna need to get into stores and I just completely disregarded it because I was like I'm never gonna be in stores I just want to be online and he, he's lived here for nine years so he sent me a sign really and I just chose to ignore it um but yeah you live and learn
0: and we're only three months in so I need to give myself a break <laughs> exactly and at least you've picked it up quickly it's, it's different if you're yeah. like if you see that and then you're in denial and you keep pushing for the same thing and it's like no I know I need to do this now so it's completely fine um is there anything that you're noticing that maybe stores kind of like expect from brands that want to be stopped there
1: so I've had quite a few uh kind of meetings or calls with kind of a few different stores and so far everyone has been very positive about um my brand I just think that they might want to see like like another collection just to see like where it's going and kind of it, it obviously just having one collection out and it's silk so it's quite an expensive like it's an investment piece really it's it's investment sleepwear um, i think they're wanting to see like what what we're going to do next to see what kind of um, sort of collection we we're, we're going to bring out but in terms of the process of getting into stores you know here if a buyer, so basically, I'm not sure if this is the same as back home, but basically you send your stuff to a buyer and they kind of do a bit of an audit of your company and you have a, like a call and stuff. Um, and then they basically make the decision of, well, how many units, like which stores we're going to put it in, how many. Um, and then it's just a case of like manufacturing that amount that they want and then um, kind of sending it to them because we, we, we would do like a wholesale type of um arrangement with them um so it's not been as difficult as I thought it would be um in terms of like the process um but yeah
0: it's just something I never ever thought about when I was sort of launching my brand and do you find that they're maybe looking for like volume of sales and stuff like that as well that you've already generated I'm sure they do ask the question but like if that's where if that's like a you must be doing x amount of sales for us to stock you because the thing with um boutiques, whether they're like, you know, physical or like a retailer online, is that they already have a platform. So brands that maybe are like quite small and just starting off can yeah. still benefit from their platform even if they don't have like consistent sales or something. You know what? I thought that they would ask me that here. And not one person has
1: asked me that, which I don't know whether it's a good sign or a bad sign, but not one person has kind of asked about sales or how much we're making or Anything like that, which is
0: in my head a bit strange, but yes, yeah, so far I've never been asked that question. Amazing. So, obviously, the entry platform um, is a platform for self development besides fashion. So, do you have any book, um, content recommendations, or anything that you listen or consume that you'd recommend for our listeners? Obviously,
1: when I came across the entry platform, which helped me so, so much. So, you guys are doing a, an amazing job. So apart from kind of the content that you guys make in the podcast, um, I read a lot of business type books. Um, so recently I've read um, a book called Oversubscribe, which is really good. Um, Your Next Five Moves, Atomic Habits, Rework. Um, I literally have like a whole book stand up them here. Um, but I think Reese Wabara says Success leads Clues. And I completely agree with him because Every single book I pick up, I learn something from. And the same with podcasts. I think listening to people like authentically speak about their brand and their and their journey, you can take a lot from. Um, but on the flip side, I would say, and I'm not saying that I'm a finished article at all, just from my experience, there's no magic formula. And there's gonna be different challenges that that people face and I think as much as one book can tell you one thing and another book can tell you maybe the opposite because you will get conflicting information from reading and ta- and listening to podcasts, you are your own brand. And um, Holly Tucker talks about kind of a brand heart, like you are your own brand heart. So I think you always know deep down what the right answer is. Sometimes you want to kind of reach out to these other pieces of content or listen to podcasts or whatever to find the answer but I think always you know yourself what the answer is because you are your brand as such like you you make the decisions you know who you want to be so yeah I think it's a
0: little bit of everything love that love that and I think I've read all of those books as well besides rework that's the only one I haven't read but um they're all amazing so thank you and finally where can our listeners find you
1: you can find state of rem on stateofrem.com we um deliver globally and you can find on instagram at state of rem and then me personally I'm at cash
0: underscore perfect thank you thank you so much for being on the podcast i absolutely love speaking to you i
1: really enjoyed speaking to you as well so thanks for having me
0: thank you so much for tuning into today's episode i hope you're inspired to take action on your dreams right away if you enjoyed it please leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. this really helps us expand our show and reach more people just like you Until next time, keep striving and thriving.